Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting today's Market Foolery. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills that you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs and get $50 off your first job at linkedin.com. It's Tuesday, March 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me in studio, the one and only Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. How are you? Well, there's green when I look at the market <laughs> for, now. For a moment, for yeah. a moment there, it was it was looking great at the open, and and we'll we'll get to some of the different industries and individual. Too businesses. bad there's nothing to talk about today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is this is the opposite of what we see normally this time of right. year. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. Yeah, because it's not really earnings season, and that's usually when we're uh, looking for things to talk about. Right. Um, and there are a bunch of things I want to get to, but I want to start with the airlines yep. because. We've seen a bunch of news announcements out of the airlines today. Um, whether it's Delta cutting capacity, Delta's not the only one. Uh, yeah. The CEO of uh, Southwest Airlines coming out and um, taking a pay cut. United also. United also. And um, what goes through your mind as an investor when you see all of this playing out with the airlines? Because up until I would say the last 24 hours, I looked at the airlines as being challenged, but not nearly as challenged as the cruise lines. Right. And I'm not saying that they are now in that category, but I'm wondering how challenged you think they are in the wake of these latest announcements. One of the most interesting announcements that I saw, and this should tell you how the airlines are thinking, was the that American Airlines came out and said that they were cutting 10% of their peak summer routes. So they're thinking actually months down the road. And so that's how they were they are viewing this crisis. Um, you know, if we were talking about the airlines from 2006 and 2007, this would be the death knell for half of them. You know, I think United would be I think at this point like chapter 44. I don't know how many times they've all been bankrupt. These companies are actually pretty buttoned down now. Um, so obviously the lack of cash flow hurts. They will get a ton of money back because they're, you know, their largest Expense is 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 fuel, and so the fuel you know for the flights that they're cutting is something they're not going to be using. I would imagine that all of the airlines are very very excited to set their forwards for the price of jet fuel going forward, so they will get a bump there. And the Trump administration came out and said that they were going to pro provide support. So, obviously, not halcyon days for the airline industry, but this is not the same group of uh, you know the gang that couldn't shoot straight uh, from the last decade. Well, and supporting that is the fact that Warren Buffett um, is someone who is. Uh, for decades, <laughs> hated the airlines. Some of his funniest quotes were yes. about airlines. <laughs> uh, because he took a bath on at least one of them. Yeah. And the fact that Berkshire Hathaway, I think, still currently owns shares of uh, four of the major airlines. Yep. And this is, to me, one more thing to look forward to with the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting in about, in what, less than, in about seven weeks now, six weeks, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, what kind of questions he gets about that and how he's thinking. And at that point, we'll have uh, nearly two more months worth of data yeah. um, and reaction from the airlines. Um, do you think the fact that they are better at running their their individual businesses means that 
once we get through this, they will be able to lever back up more quickly? I think that that's I think that's very much the case. These are very lean running uh, companies at this point. You know, obviously they have enormous fixed costs, but uh, you know, so the longer this goes, the more at risk they are. But I would suspect that the airlines getting through a very hard 2020 are going to see amazing 2021, 2022, uh, based on their ability to lock in uh, fuel prices now at you know. Multi-decade lows. Let's move on to Stitch Fix. Uh, second quarter results for Stitch Fix sent the stock down about thirty-five percent at one point. It's bounced back up a little bit from there. It's still what a rough day to report earnings. It's it's, it's <laughs> it really is. They missed on sales. Um, their guidance was not what investors were looking for, and this is a stock that. I think as recently as last week was trading in the low twenties. It's now about fifteen dollars a yeah, share, which is less. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I looked at with Stitch Fix is they they actually had a pretty good uptake in new customers, up about seventeen percent, uh, which for any company that's at the you know at the stage that Stitch Fix is, that's the fuel that lights the fire for everything else. They have seen some competition, so they have. Uh, they, they they have been doing some uh, some price discounting, you know, some t- things to uh, try and motivate people to uh, to spend. They've been seeing somewhat lower tickets uh, on uh, per customer basis. Um, it's not a particularly exciting report. I think probably the sell off. I mean, either people were too excited at twenty four or they're not excited enough at fifteen because that seems severe. But I also think that that has something to do with the environment that we're in right now. I think it's the environment that we're in, and I think specifically to Stitch Fix, but not solely to Stitch Fix. It is also the fact that it is 2020, and it is a presidential election year, and you can ask, well, what do presidential politics have to do with Stitch Fix? I'm I'm interested. Um, They. Uh, and you you touched on this. Uh, their advertising costs are higher. One of the yeah. things they talked about was the the cost of digital ads going up, and that is something you know. And you don't have to own shares of Stitch Fix uh, to be affected by this. Right. You do, I think, maybe use this as a moment to look at the businesses in your portfolio and say, yeah. um, how much are they depending on digital advertising yeah. to drive acquisition? Because if they're not talking about their costs going higher, um, why is that? Because every, you, everybody's costs. Are you suggesting that Bloomberg re- leaving the race will be bullish for Stitch Fix? Because I'm interested in this theory. I I think it probably is. When you have, when I mean you've seen the numbers of what Michael Bloomberg spent just on advertising oh alone. Gosh, really, really, holy cow! In um, but yeah, it is it is one of those things that makes it uh, it makes it tougher for. Um, anyone who is trying to acquire customers mainly through digital ads. Yeah, the thing that worries me the most about Stitch Fix is that I don't really see the next steps that they're doing to delight their customers. Right? Like if they're having to if they're having to advertise, if they're having to discount, that that raises some alarm bells with me. Now, I think I happen to think that uh, Katrina Lake, who's the founder and CEO, is a very very talented executive, and I do think that she has shown uh, in the past a uh, 
a tendency to be conservative in her guidance, uh, but it was not a it was not a particularly inspiring quarter. So uh, we will see. But obviously, the market has judged very harshly. Anywhere on your list of reasons to buy shares of Stitch Fix, putting aside the fact that you can now get it for thirty percent less than you would have paid yesterday. Is Stitch Fix being an acquisition target anywhere on that list? I know it's never a reason to buy a stock, or but I guess I should say, if the number one reason to buy a stock on your list is I think someone's going to buy them, then maybe you should move on. You know, on. I think that's a really interesting question because Stitch Fix actually is the leader in a pretty interesting segment. They're the, they're the thought leader. They you know they 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 have the largest market share. It could be a pretty good tuck in. Acquisition for, I mean, Amazon would be the obvious, but also someone, uh, you know, someone like Target would be a very interesting thing. It wouldn't be that expensive for them uh, compared to the size of their, you know, of their war chest or from a market cap basis. So, yeah, I think that's it is it is possibly the case that they do happen to be the big fish in what is now a pretty small but promising pond. Quick shout out to LinkedIn. Hiring the right people is one of the best ways to help grow your business, but it should not take time away from your other priorities. And with LinkedIn jobs, it doesn't have to. That's because LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. LinkedIn makes sure that your job post is seen by the people that you want to hire, people with the skills and qualifications and other interests that will help your business grow. And as we've talked about before, with unemployment as low as it is, uh, yeah, you want people who are qualified, but the soft skills matter. Yeah. You, you want them to be qualified, but you want to make sure they fit in with your business. Uh, you can find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. Get the first $50 off. Just go to LinkedIn.com slash fool. That's LinkedIn.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Occidental Petroleum making Oof. headlines. Uh, and this is interesting for a couple of reasons. This is not a stock we've, I think, ever talked about yeah. uh, in any detail on this show. Uh, $12 billion uh, company. Occidental Petroleum came out today and announced they're cutting their dividend to the tune of about 75% or more. Yeah, from more than $3 to well less than $1. Yeah. So, um, that caught my attention just because it's such a big cut. But as as we were talking right before we started recording, I thought about it for for a little bit, and I thought, oh right, they're probably not going to be the only one doing this. No, I think you're, if you if you took a look at the uh, the biggest losers in the uh, in the stock market yesterday, it was a you know it it, it was a long list of exploration and production companies in the oil patch occidental amongst them i think it was uh, it closed down nearly 40% which is remarkable for a company that produces something that you know that that generates a lot of cash flow this isn't this isn't some biotech that got some bad news this is a massive company with operations all over the world and it was a bunch of them um, so yeah they are they are in you know they need to conserve cash one of the interesting things about the oil industry is that is that prices are really determined on whether supply is 101% of demand or 99% those marginal dollars are massive 
Just to put some numbers around this in terms of the stock, a month ago, Occidental's trading in the low 40s. It's now 13 yeah. and change. Should we all be looking at our portfolios now, looking at the dividend payers and asking ourselves how likely are they to cut the dividend or how much am I how much is of the dividend is the reason I own this stock because this I mean put aside oil and gas we're going to see other companies doing this yeah it's all happening and uh, and and a former fool a friend of ours Todd Wenning made this point on Twitter this morning and I thought that was a brilliant one he said you should not, under any circumstances, trust a high dividend because a high dividend is, generally speaking, suggesting some really bad news, you know, or some really some real stress within the company itself. Yeah, it's it's you know, I I don't I don't own any oil or gas companies. I don't find uh, I don't find commodities or cyclicals to be the, you know the most exciting place to put my money. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the, I think one of the really interesting things about the oil and gas industry is that over the last year, if you have heard much about it at all, you have heard about it because uh, socially responsible investors have been pushing to get out of oil and gas. Now, we saw this with the gun industry as well. When you are disfavored by a large segment of the market, you usually respond by being as shareholder friendly as you can, like for example, paying a huge dividend. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how shareholders react over the next few months. Quick programming note, which is that uh, later today, Bill and Andy Cross and I are doing a live Q and A on YouTube uh, at three o'clock yep. Eastern time. Uh, realize that uh, from the time you hear this, uh, it's quite likely that uh, our live Q and A will be over. Uh, but I thought was... you did a terrible job. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> at three o'clock, could could you believe the profanity that Andy used in the 28th minute? I mean, that was surprising, wasn't it? It was disappointing. It was disappointing, and yet we left it in because it was live. Um, uh, but live Q and A, uh, check out the Motley Fool's YouTube channel. Um, it's free to subscribe and. Uh, a little more heads up on this one on Thursday. I'm uh, going to be doing a live Q and A with David Gardner. Um, so anyway, Bill Mann, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.